powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Merry meet, little woman fans. Last week, Melody and I started to dissect the chapter 35, Laurie's proposal to Joe. Now we are in halfway. I must say that every time when I have a guest in this podcast, it really gives me new perspective to this book and the story and also the films. Melody and I will also be discussing about Laurie's proposal scenes in the movies. I think one of the major problems in most adaptations is that Laurie is incredibly idealized and his proposal to Joe is romanticized. And that is one of the reasons why millions of people ship Joe and Laurie and want them to be together. Do you know how many Little Woman films there are that include Laurie's proposal to Amy for the past hundred years? The answer is none. It has never been adapted. When Laurie proposes Joe in the novel, he is very abusive. It's emotional manipulation. But when he proposes to Amy, he has grown a lot. He is not abusive. He wants to be Amy's equal. But you never see the difference in the adaptations. We are going to discuss about the 1994 film as well. There are lots of people who see Laurie's proposal very romantic in this movie. And then there are others who think it's kind of creepy. I did find this essay why Joe seems surprised and even scared when Laurie kisses her in the 1994 film. And this is written by Kitoki. I thought this was very well written, so a shout out to them. This is their answer to a hardcore Joe and Laurie shipper. Maybe I can explain why Joe looks scared and confused during Laurie's proposal scene. Laurie was proposing, along with his love, a life that she could not envision for herself. His proposal fueled those fears already in Joe, that she was not a typical girl and would never fit in and behave as expected of her. Her utter instinct is to very much run away from Laurie and the life he offered her, to be a housewife and he fueled that insecurity she had and the doubts she had about herself. She could not resolve the turmoil within herself. Her true nature versus one society expects of her. That's where the first quote added to the gift set comes in. Even if Joe wanted to marry and be the wife he wanted her to be, she knew she would never be happy. She may have known Laurie forever, yet Laurie did not understand and know Joe based solely on his expectations of, of their would-be marriage. Traipsing around high society, being the proper wife to the proper businessman that Laurie feels he must succumb to be to fulfill his family's legacy. He offered insignificant things, luxury and fun, never needing to work. Juxtaposed to the end of the film, where Bear proposes, bumbling and awkward as it may have been, her eyes are warm and excited, and the little time she spends with him, which was seven months in fact, with an additional three years of correspondences in the novel, he encourages her passion of writing, her intellectual acuity, her tenacity and boldness and never once proposed that marriage would mean a life of a typical housewife. He elevates her, in fact, 
I have nothing to give you. My hands are empty. She grabs hold of his hands and says, not empty now. She didn't need or want luxury or security, only love and support and the freedom to do and be anything she pleased, both in work and in personality and character. He represented a partner which she could bumble through society with, not meeting those annoying expectations of conduct and behavior. He was just as much a foreigner to such things as she was. The second quote to get gifts implies that those feelings of insecurity, those traits that made her awkward and incompatible with typical expectations of society, were traits to be celebrated and be all of, which is what Bear is, completely in awe of her, nothing less than she deserves. Fluffy Cakes Estate has left a comment here. How willfully dense do you have to be to not get why a woman would look scared and confused when one man is proposing to her, but enchanted and adoring when a different man does? Question of the day. I love the 1994 film, but it has one major flaw. That is, when Laurie proposes Joe, he says that he's going to work to his grandfather and they can live in London or whatever. That doesn't happen in the novel. In the novel, Laurie says that they can just be lazy and live with his money. That's a huge difference. This is Mom Behind the Rain, Little Woman Podcast. I'll hurt myself if you say no. Another red flags in Laurie's proposal with Melody Ellison. Seeing a ray of hope in that last speech, Lori threw himself down on the grass at her feet, leaned his arm on the lower step of the stile, and looked up at her with an expectant face. Now that arrangement was not conductive to calm speech or clear thought on Joe's part, for how could she say hard things to her boy while he watched her with eyes full of love and longing and lashes still wet with the bitter drop or two her hardness of heart had wrung from him? She gently turned his head away, saying, as she stroked the wavy hair which had been allowed to grow for her sake. How touching that was, to be sure. I agree with mother that you and I are not suited to each other because our quick tempers and strong wills would probably make us very miserable if we were so foolish as to, Joe paused a little over the word, but Lori uttered it with a rapturous expression. Mary, no, we wouldn't. If you love me, Joe, I should be a perfect saint for you could make me anything you like. No, I can't. I've tried and failed, and I won't risk our happiness by such a serious experiment. We don't agree, and we never shall. So we'll be good friends all our lives, but we won't go and do anything rash. Another red flag I have here. Right? <laughs> right? No, this is, this is a chapter of red flags. The mm-hmm. whole, I'll change for you. I'll change for you. You can, you, why don't you change me? Not, not good. Have you read Rose in Bloom? No, I have not. Yeah, it has this similar scene where uh, Charlie, who is the Laurie archetype, he sort of wants that Rose saves him from himself, from his misery, from his bad life. So it kind of reminds me that, like, Laurie wants Joe to save him. Yeah. But it's not Joe's job to save him or anyone no, else. He's that entitled young man, though, right? He wants somebody else to do the work for him, too. 
we will, if we get the chance, muttered Laurie rebelliously. No, now do be reasonable and take a sensible view of the case, implored Jo, almost at her wit's end. I won't be reasonable. I don't want to take what you call a sensible view. It won't help me, and it only makes you harder. I don't believe you. You've got any heart. I wish I hadn't. There was a little quiver in Joe's voice. Thinking it a good omen, Laurie turned around, bringing all his persuasive powers to bear, as he said, in the wheedlesome tone that had never been so dangerously wheedlesome before. Don't disappoint us, dear. Everyone expects it. Grandpa has set his heart upon it. Your people like it, and I can't get on without you. Say you will, and let's be happy. Do, do. Not until months afterwards did Joe understand how she had the strength of mind to hold fast to the resolution she had made. When she decided that she did not love her boy, and never could. It was very hard to do, but she did it, knowing that delay was both useless and cruel. I'm just shaking my head here. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, this is this is one of those things. It's just like what I the how I'd said that one of the members of the book club it's, it's had said this scene, it shows what integrity Joe has because she's saying no, even though it's breaking her heart to break his heart. And you can feel that Joe feels so bad for him, but also he gives him all the reasons why they should not get married in this chapter. Right. Right. Like he says that, oh, grandfather expects it. Your family expects it. Now he has started blackmailing her. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's all, it's all emotional manipulation and emotional blackmail. It's going to be your fault. Everyone's going to be disappointed. You're not just hurting me. You're hurting everyone. How terrible is that? Like in that 93 film where he says that, you don't know what you're doing. I mean, I don't know about you, but I dated I dated a guy who was kind of like this at one point. I only dated him because I felt bad for him, which is a terrible reason to date someone. And I tried to break up with him and he threatened to throw himself in the gutter. So I didn't break up with him. And then I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of stuck with him. And then he asked me to marry him. And I was young and I thought, well, you know, when someone asks you to marry them, it's supposed to be a happy thing. So I did not have the strength that Joe had. And I said, yes, but the very next day I regretted it, but then I felt stuck. And because I was with somebody like this, who was like, it was like, he was my child. I kind of wish that people let young women really read this like deeply analyze the way, the way the situation is, because this isn't romantic. This is immature this is emotional manipulation well I think that's one of those things too that the 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 2019 film really got wrong is with Joe going back and acting like oh I would say yes to him now it kind of puts Joe in this point of view where she is like the emotionally immature one you know what I mean like she's the one who doesn't know her heart she's the one who doesn't know what she wants but she's gonna go ahead and just go with what's ever in front of her when really that's what Lori was doing. Lori was like, everybody thinks we should get married. So we're going to get married. You're the person who I have felt cared for has made me feel cared for. And I need to feel cared for. So we should get married. I think that's one of those things that the 2019 film really messed up is, is it put Joe in that emotionally immature position? 
where that's not really who she was. Like she maybe didn't fully know her own mind yet, but she also trusted her gut that this isn't right. Yeah. And it really bothered me in the 2019 film. Like there's that scene where Joe is just shouting at Friedrich and she behaves like she's a 10 year old brat. Yeah. And Joe in the book is like 24, 25 when that happens. And she, she knows how to control her temper. Yes. So it like throughout the whole film, Joe felt really immature and childish. Then I was thinking this moment here. I agree with Mother that you and I are not suited to each other because our quick tempers and strong wills would probably make us very miserable. And there is this moment seen somewhere here earlier where there is this talk between Joe and Mormy. And yeah. I think it happens before Joe goes to New York. And mm-hmm. Joe says to Marmy that oh, Laurie is, has become too fond of her. And then Joe and Marmy talk about her temper. And Marmy says that they are not suited because they are too similar in their tempers. Mm-hmm. And then Marmy says that Joe's father helped her to control her temper. And marriage mm-hmm. requires endless amount of patience. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019 film... I talked about this with an Algot schooler, Susan Bailey. She mm-hmm. was really disappointed with that scene because this whole part of Joe's father helping Marmy to cope with her temper w- was not there. Yes. And this whole part of Marmy saying that Joe and Laurie aren't suitable because of their temper was not there. And mm-hmm. then Marmy kind of encourages Joe to be as angry as she wants. Yes. And, you know, I think that it it really misses the mark, too, on I think every book has its own value system, right? Mm. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps and saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. If you're getting ready to do your holiday shopping at Sephora, Nike, or Neiman Marcus, make sure you head to Rakuten first. Rakuten helps you save big on whatever you're buying for the holidays. Getting gifts for friends and family? Get some cash back for yourself. Plus, save on festive home decor, party outfits, and that trip to see your fam. With Rakuten, you can earn cash back on top of the biggest sales of the season, so you get the most savings. And it's easy to use. Just start your shopping at Rakuten.com or use the Rakuten app, and you'll get your cash back payments through PayPal or check. Rakuten partners with over 3,700 stores. The stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Join for free at Rakuten.com and get the Rakuten app. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. And a big part of the value system of little women, I mean, the second half of the book is called Good Wives, you know, the, you know, originally separated. The, a big part of the value system of the book is the idea that when you find the right person, you make each other better and you are a team. I mean, every couple in this book become a team and become a support for each other. And I feel like the, the 2019 film really kind of degraded the idea of relationships. 
Like it was too focused on the, I'm independent, you know, which I feel like you can have your own independence and also be a strong part of a good couple. You know what I mean? I read, it was one of those Guerta Gerwig's interviews where she said that Laurie wants Joe to step into adulthood. And I was like, I don't think she has read this book. Yeah, no. <laughs> because I have no idea where she got that idea because yeah. we have this chapter. Whole interaction with Amy and, and Lori in Europe where Amy yeah. is wanting Lori to become an adult. Chapter where Lori proposes Amy, those times when he actually thinks about proposing Joe again. Yes. And uh, like Lori was the immature party in that relationship. Yes. How can somebody say that they have read this book and not seen that? I just don't get it. I don't think she has even read this book. I, I'm doubtful that she has also. Think about it. Timothy Chalamet's hairdo. That was mm-hmm. from Christian Bale. Friedrich, <laughs> Friedrich played the piano. That was from Rosanna Brassi. Yes. They took all these elements from these previous films. I don't think they read this book. I think and, you're right. And it bothered me that Laurie didn't do anything for Amy and Joe behaved like this little brat. I wish that they would make a film version that actually showed the like musical side of of Lori so that we could get to know him as a person outside of him like pining for Joe and then settling for Amy because I feel like that's kind of how it gets represented a lot. If we learn more about his music in the films then Maybe he might be considered to have a little more depth in the way that, you know, people respect Beth a lot for her music, right? Maybe if we had Lori's music actually represented at all, we could actually see the part of him that is more serious. I felt that with the 1978 series, because I just been watching it. Okay. Yeah, and he plays the piano in that one. And then there's also this conversation about his parents and how his grandfather doesn't like that he plays music. I don't remember that. I'm, I watched that one, I think, <laughs> like two years ago. Yeah. And I guess that the big things that stuck out to me was how Susan Day was way too pretty for the part. And then, of course, you know, Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> He's not so bad there. Like, the accent is terrible, but yeah, I, was I like him say, otherwise. His German accent is terrible, but... <laughs> William Shatner has a more solid body type. He's a little more condensed. So I feel like he's the right physical form for Professor Bear. But no, the German accent was just terrible. (laughs) There were some scenes that I really liked in that one. Like there's a part where he actually is looking for a job outside New York so he can go and make some money and buy a house for Joe. I like that. And then there's a part where Miss Kirk comes and like, look, Professor, Miss March has published the story. And then he's like, my Joe, like he mumbles, my Joe. (laughs) I love how each version, you know, depending on when it was, you can see the decade it was made in. And I feel like the closest one to escaping that is the 1994 version, because 78 one, it's such a 70s version, you know? Yeah, those trousers. Uh, Yes, and I'm like, have you ever seen, there was a miniseries called um, North and South. It was based on the John Jakes novels. I know that one, but I haven't seen it. Well, I mean, I think it's it's a fantastic miniseries, but 
it's, it was made in the 80s. And again, it's also a Civil War era thing. But the costumes, there is so much shiny polyester in it. It's a very engaging miniseries, but it's a time capsule. It's an 80s time capsule. And that's what it's like watching that 1978 Little Women. Also, is this is a 1970s Hey Little Women. That's also how I feel about this 2019 Little Women is I'm, mm. this is, it's too, it's too much of this time period, the costume and the hair, you know. If Joe would wear that male costume, whatever you like to call it, in yes. public, she would have got into prison or something. At the very least, her family would have been completely ostracized. Even the Lawrences would have broken ties with her. That would have been considered very inappropriate. And yeah. then Meg having her hair loose in her wedding, yeah. that would have been considered very uh, inappropriate. But mm-hmm. like really that, like, that boy's yeah. dress that Joe is wearing, it would not have been accepted during that time period and you know like in that time period when you were considered becoming a woman you weren't allowed to wear your hair down anymore Mm, yeah so really they're not going to be wearing their hair down from the time period where they would be considered coming out looking like 15 year olds and 16 year olds are not going to wear their hair down the fact that meg had her hair down for her wedding it's like oh isn't that lovely that's what they're doing nowadays but that's not what they're doing in the 1860s I didn't find the 2019 show to be like Joe in the book because you have her in this male costume but then she's also incredibly feminine because she doesn't have that long clunky body type and she's not uh, clumsy because there are no hoop skirts and there are no corsets her movements are a lot more smoother than for example Catherine Hepburn in the 1933 film but then like Joe in the book, she is almost like an like an elephant in a porcelain store. Yeah. Because she's so clumsy and then the clothes, there's so much of it, it makes her even more clumsier. Yes. Because I mean they wouldn't have necessarily been wearing their hoop skirts at home when they're just in their yeah. house. You know, they would have been wearing them when they went to the parties and they mm. went to those things. So it would make sense why she would be twice as awkward when she goes to a party because yeah. she's just going around the house, why is she going to wear hoop skirts? You know, one of my favorite scenes from that 1933 version was when Joe goes over to see Lori and they start jousting with the fireplace stuff. And I thought this is such a good representation of really the relationship dynamics of these two, of what the book is showing you, because she's looking at, at him as the playmate she's always wanted because he's a boy and and her sisters aren't as good at that kind of play. And half the time he looks at her the way she wants him to look at her, which is like another boy. And so he'll joust with her, but then, oh, she falls down and it's, oh, she's a girl. And I think that's a good representation of how their relationship was too, is a, a lot of the time Lori filled that void that Joe needed where because she wanted to have a brother instead of mm. these sisters. But that didn't always work because he still would look at her as she was a girl part of the time. And then eventually all of the time. That's true. And then in the book, when Joe and Laurie, they do all these pranks on people. Like, yeah, they do these practical jokes. I don't think that's in any adaptation that shows them more like not necessarily brother and sister, but more really like brothers. Yeah. You know, that's what I liked about Jen Brady's book, The Subscribing to the Enemy. Oh, yeah. 
is because it was a huge part of their relationship in five in stars her, right like <laughs> because it was all it was very much like their thing together was pranking people you're right it's not represented in any of the movies but jen gets it just right in her adaptation like she really nails it how many people will chip joe and laurie after that when they see them as brothers but also how they make fun of feminine girls right yeah we need to write a film adaptation and make mm. hollywood do it <laughs> good idea yes you will persisted joe you'll get over this after a while and find some lovely accomplished girl who will adore you and make a fine mistress for your fine house i shouldn't i'm homely and awkward and odd and old and you'd be ashamed of me and we should quarrel we can't help it even now you see and i shouldn't like elegant society and you would and you'd hate my scribbling and i couldn't get on without it and we should be unhappy and wish we hadn't done it and everything would be horrid anything more asked laurie finding it hard to listen patiently to this prophetic burst nothing more except that i don't believe i shall ever marry i'm happy as i am and love my liberty too well to be in any hurry to give it up for any mortal man i know better broke in laurie you think so now but there'll come a time when you will care for somebody and you'll love him tremendously and live and die for him i know you will it's your way and i shall have to stand by and see it and then and the despairing lover cast his hat upon the ground with a gesture that would have seemed comical if his face had not been so tragical so this part i feel like in the 1994 film they use most of these lines exactly yeah. in the film and this is why everybody falls in love with lori because of the way christian bale performs mm. this scene and i remember at the time thinking how powerful it was that he's delivering this in almost like a whisper right and But then in a lot of his other films, when he's Batman, I realized, oh, this is just the way Christian Bale acts. He just does this whisper <laughs> acting. And it's kind of a little bit for me broken the spell of his Laurie because I'm like, oh, Batman's going to perform it the same way. <laughs> I never yeah. thought about that, but now you said it. Because it's how he acts. I mean, this the scene is so impactful. But mm. like once you realize that this is half of how he acts in films. I'm sure that the boom mic people who are miking him for these are like quit whispering. <laughs> It's pretty different here. Like he's bouncing his feet like he's he's angry. He's angry, yeah. It's not yeah. a sweet whisper to it, to the ear. It's it's an angry proposal. Yeah, Larry knows that Joe is going to fall in love. He has prophetic powers. For sure. I think Joe did fall in love to Fredrik in uh, New York. But mm-hmm. like the narrator says here, which proved that she knew nothing about love. Because she knew she respected him. She mm-hmm. got that. And that's what she doesn't didn't get yet is that mature love is built primarily on a foundation of respect. Exactly. And then in New York, Friedrich is Joe's sexual awakening. But because mm-hmm. Joe doesn't have previous knowledge of what that is, yes. she can't really recognize that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will live and die for him if he ever comes and makes me love him in spite of myself. And you must do the best you can, cried Joe, losing patience with poor Teddy. 
I've done my best, but you won't be reasonable, and it's selfish of you to keep teasing for what I can't give. I shall always be fond of you, very fond indeed, as a friend, but I'll never marry you, and the sooner you believe it, the better for both of us. So what a good example, too, of how wrong the 2019 film was, because the fact that she says, I will never marry you here, I will never marry you, she, this is not somebody who is going to have her sister die and then it's going to make her go, maybe I'm lonely. Oh, I could have married Teddy. Like, this is somebody who knows I don't want to marry this man. This is why I didn't get why they were promoting 2019 film as feminist, because this is way more feminist here in right. the novel. I agree. And also, I think this scene kind of echoes this. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof. Not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. What Joe said here earlier, where she defends Frederick. Because now here she says that, yes, I will live and die for him if he ever comes and makes me love him in spite of myself. This bothers me in every single little woman adaptations because when Laurie proposes Joe before she goes to New York, a lot of viewers think that Joe is just going to come back for him and then say yes. This actually happens after she has returned from New York. And yeah. then she has started to develop these feelings for Friedrich and even defends him when Laurie is bad-mounting him. Yeah, that speech was like gunpowder. Laurie looked at her a minute as if he did not know what to do with himself, then turned sharply away, saying in a desperate sort of tone, You'll be sorry someday, Joe. Oh, where are you going, she cried, for his face frightened her. To the devil was his consoling answer. And again, this is just like what you said, the 1933 version uses that line that you'll be sorry someday, Mm. Joe, you know, or you'll regret this or when the other versions aren't as much like that. What man are you going to feel sorry for if if they're basically being like, this is the equivalent of like when men ask you out and they say, oh, you're so beautiful. You want to go to dinner and then you say, oh, no, I'm not interested. And they say, oh, you're ugly anyway. Like it's the same kind of red flag. He's threatening her going to the devil. For a minute, Joe's heart stood still as he swung himself down to the bank toward the river. But it takes much folly, sin, or misery to send a young man to a violent death. And Laurie was not one of the weak sort who are conquered by a single failure. He had no thought of melodramatic plunge, but some blind instinct led him to fling hat and a coat into his boat and row away with all his might, making better time up the river than he had done in many a race. Joe drew a long breath and unclasped her hands as she watched the poor fellow trying to outstrip the trouble which he carried in his heart. That will do him good, and he'll come home in such a tender, penitent state of mind that I shan't dare to see him, she said adding as she went slowly home, feeling as if she had murdered some innocent thing and buried it under the leaves. I think if I would be Joe, I would be a lot less sympathetic towards Lori. But again, this is because she views him almost as her like child. Yeah. He's not her equal. He is her 
lesser. He's the person that she is caring for, which is also why she can't accept him because no woman wants to marry her child. And this is also why so many people ship Joe and Lori because they can see that that it's a maternal feeling yeah. that she has. And I think somebody said somewhere that very often sisters become pseudo mothers for their brothers. So mm-hmm. I think something like that is going on here. Yeah. And I think in Little Man, there's a scene where Daisy, she admires her brother a lot. Like she adores Demi. Yes. And then she's always taking care of him. Like she mm-hmm. brings him food. She irons his clothes and whatever. Daisy yeah. does all these things. And Daisy likes to do that. Daisy's very girly girl she's very maternal but then she also does that because Demi is her brother and she loves her brother and I feel the same with Joe and Laurie sometimes yeah definitely now I must go and prepare Mr. Lawrence to to be very kind to my poor boy I wish he'd love Beth perhaps he may in time but I begin to think I was mistaken about her oh dear how can girls like to have lovers and refuse them I think it's dreadful Being sure that no one could do it so well as herself, she went straight to Mr. Lawrence, told the hard story bravely through, and then broke down, crying so dismally over her own insensibility that the kind old gentleman, though sorely disappointed, did not utter a reproach. He found it difficult to understand how any girl could help loving Lori and hoped she would change her mind, but he knew even better than Joe that love cannot be forced. So he shook his head sadly and resolved to carry his boy out of harm's way. For young impetuosity's parting words to Joe disturbed him more than he would confess. You know, this reminds me too of one of the other things I liked about the 1933 version was I feel like they did a better job of presenting Mr. Lawrence as having the good heart he actually had. Mm. I feel like some other versions, I especially think, I think it may have been the anime version that came out in the 80s. I thought that Mr. Lawrence seemed scary and it seemed like Lori thought he was scary and everybody was afraid of him. And like when you're reading the book, he's really is kind. He just is a little bit strict. Yeah. It's interesting because when I was a child and I would read little woman, I kind of thought that Mr. Lawrence was very scary, but then Mm -hmm. Later on, I thought that he's actually very nice and gentle. And yeah. then I didn't really get why he and Laurie were arguing so much until I understood more of that thing with his parents. He's a very kind and gentle soul. And I think there's some parallel to Aunt March there because he has lost all his family members except Laurie. And then yeah. Aunt March has lost her husband and her child. She's bitter for the world because of that. Well, I think Amy is really the one that can soften Aunt March. Mr. Lawrence, he really loves his grandson. And I really like that in the 1978 series, there's a moment when Laurie, when he's in the billiard hall, and then his grandfather finds him and then they start fighting. The next day, Laurie goes back home and he tells that, oh, Mr. March is wounded and he's going to need our help. And there's this moment when the grandfather wants to give him a hug. But Laurie, he crosses his hands 
like mm-hmm. I don't want you to touch me you have mm-hmm. you have insulted me but then it also shows that how difficult that relationship is because Laurie can't get the affection from him that he craves he gets that yeah. from Joe that petting yeah when Laurie came home dead tired but quite composed his grandfather met him as if he knew nothing and kept up the delusion very successfully for an hour or two but when they sat together in the twilight the time they used to enjoy so much it was hard work for the old man to ramble on as usual and harder still for the young one to listen to praises of the last year's success which to him now seemed love's labor lost he bore it as long as he could then went to his piano and began to play the windows were open and joe walking in the garden with Beth, for once understood music better than her sister, for he played the sonata pathetic and played it as he never did before. See, this is another example of how they could have used his music more in some of these other films. True. Because, because I mean, the only reason he wasn't really pursuing music as much was because he was trying to be a serious man. He has all this success in school, but now he feels that it was a Love's labor lost. Like yeah. It shows that he didn't went to school because of himself, but because of Joe. That's not really a good reason to go to a school. No. I kind of feel that Lovey should have gone to study music or something that he actually enjoyed. Maybe university or college wasn't the best place for him. That will be my new headcanon. <laughs> yeah, that's very fine, I dare say, but it's sad enough to make one cry. Give us something gayer, lad, said Mr. Lawrence, whose kind old heart was full of sympathy, which he longed to show but knew not how. Laurie dashed into a livelier strain, played stormily for several minutes, and would have got through bravely if in a momentary lull Mrs. March's voice had not been heard calling, Joe, dear, come in, I want you. Just what Laurie longed to say, with a different meaning. As he listened, he lost his place. The music ended with a broken chord. Musicians sat silent in the dark. I can't stand this, muttered the old gentleman. Up he got, groped his way to the piano, laid a kind hand on either of the broad shoulders and said, as gently as a woman, I know, my boy, I know. And see, this is another one of those examples. He is a sweet old man. Mm. He loves his grandson so much. It's not so easy for him to show emotion. But yeah, yeah, he does show some affection for him. And I mean, especially with him having lost his own son, like, I mean, I think he does a really good job of letting his walls down, considering Mm. what he's already been through. Yeah. Then there's an end to it. And he shook off his grandfather's hands with an impatient motion, for too grateful for the sympathy his man's pride could not bear a man's pity. Not quite. I want to say one thing. And then there shall be end of it, returned Mr. Lawrence with unusual mildness. You won't care to stay at home just now, perhaps. I don't intend to run away from a girl. Joe can prevent my seeing her, and I shall stay and do it as long as I like, interrupted Laurie in a defiant tone. Not if you are the gentleman I think of you. I am disappointed, but the girl can't help it. And the only thing left for you to do is to go away for a time. Where will you go? Anywhere. I don't care what becomes of me. And Laurie got up with a reckless laugh and grated on his grandfather's ear. Take it like a man and don't do anything rash. For God's sake, why not go abroad as you planned and forget it? 
I can't, but you've been wild to go, and I promised you should when you got through the college. I have another red flag here in this part where Laurie says, I don't intend to run away from a girl, so can't prevent my seeing her, and I shall stay and do it as long as I like. Right? No, he would have, if it wasn't for his grandfather, he would have been over at her house every day, making her uncomfortable until she ran off to New York again. That's how it would have ended up going. Exactly. He wants to guilt trip Joe forever. And yep. that's so disturbing. That's getting stalkerish. 100%. Ah, uh, but I didn't mean to go alone. And Lori walked fast the room with an expression which it was well his grandfather did not see. I don't ask you to go alone. There's someone ready to go, ready and glad to go with you anywhere in the world. Who, sir? Stopping to listen. Myself. Lori came back as quickly as he went and put out his hand, saying huskily, I'm a selfish brute. But you know, grandfather. Lord, help me. Yes, I do know, for I've been through it all before, once in my own young days and then with your father. Now, my dear boy, just sit quietly down and hear my plan. It's all settled and can be carried out at once, said Mr. Lawrence, keeping hold of the young man, as if fearful that he would break away as his father had done before him. This is kind of peril because Amy's in Europe with Aunt March and now Larry's going with his grandfather. It just goes to prove my theory that Louisa May Alcott planned these couples when she was writing part one. And mm-hmm. maybe before that. Well, and you think about too about the relationship of like Lori going over to Aunt March's house to visit Amy when Beth had scarlet fever. I feel like that is such a huge setup for their future relationship. I always felt that way. You know, that's something else I feel like is left out more of the films than should be. It's like half the time the the parrot gets left out, right? In the Mm. movie. Then maybe people wouldn't be cheering so much for Joe and Lori to get together when he proposes because we will have already seen how well they get along earlier. They really explored that section of the book, but we're so focused on don't die, Beth, <laughs> that we don't see mm-hmm. the whole Amy being worried about her family and feeling miserable and lonely and Lori being her like one comfort there. Somebody said that when in the 1994 film, when Lori and takes Amy to stay at Aunt Marge. She asked him to kiss her before she dies. Mm-hmm. Right, and he he agrees that he will kiss her before she dies. Yeah, like that is meant to set up their relationship. I can see that also in the in the book because I always felt that part when Laurie goes to see Amy at Aunt March, it means something because Laurie can also always have this choice not to go, but he yeah. chooses to go there. And that again supports the idea that he really it was more important to him to marry the family than it was to marry in part- one particular girl. Because in the same time period that he's going to see Amy, he's still over at the March house a lot, checking on Joe and checking on Beth and being of service to anyone he can. There's a moment in the learning to forget chapter where Laurie thinks to himself that, well, marrying Amy is almost as good as marrying Joe. Yeah. So it kind of goes with that idea that he did want to marry to the family Then he also begins to see how much more well-suited Amy is for him. Well, sir, what is it? And Laurie sat down without a sign of interest in face or voice. There is a business in London that needs looking after. I meant 
you should attend to it. But I can do it better myself, and things here will get on very well with Brooke to manage them. My partners do almost everything. I'm merely holding on till you take my place and can be off at any time. But you hate traveling, sir. I can't ask it of you at your age, began Laurie, who was grateful for the sacrifice, but much preferred to go alone if he went at all. The old gentleman knew that perfectly well and particularly desired to prevent it, for the mood in which he found his grandson assured him that it would not be wise to leave him to his own devices. So stifling a natural regret at the thought of the home comforts he would leave behind him, he said stoutly, Bless your soul, I'm not superannuated yet. I quite enjoy the idea. It will do me good, and my old bones won't suffer, for traveling nowadays is almost as easy as sitting in a chair. A restless movement from Laurie suggested that his chair was not easy, or that he did not like the plan, and made the old man add hastily, I don't mean to be a marplot or a burden. I go because I think you'd feel happier than if I was left behind. I don't intend to go get about you, but leave you free to go where you like. While I amuse myself in my own way, I have friends in London and Paris and should like to visit them. Meantime, you can go to Italy, Germany, Switzerland, where you will and enjoy pictures, music, scenery and adventures to your heart's content. Mr. Lawrence as a travel companion. I mean, I think it just shows how much just he loves Lori. He basically was creating a home base for Lori in Europe. He was creating this safe haven that Lori's not just going to go treat it as this self-destructive thing because his grandfather's only a boat ride away at any point. It's not like he's in a totally different world. He wants to let him do his own thing. Then he also wants to spend time with him. Now, Laurie felt just then that his heart was entirely broken and the world a howling wilderness. But at the sound of certain words which the old gentleman artfully introduced into his closing sentence, the broken heart gave an unexpected leap and a green oasis or two suddenly appeared in the howling wilderness. He sighed and then said in a spiritless tone, just as you like, sir, it doesn't matter where I go or what I do. It does to me. Remember that, my lad. I give you an entire liberty, but I trust you to make an honest use of it. Promise me that, Lori. Anything you like, sir. Good, thought the old gentleman. You don't care now, but there'll come a time when that promise will keep you out of mischief, or I'm much mistaken. He's a good man. I love Mr. Lawrence. <laughs> I have highlighted this part. I trust you to make an honest use of it, and then written, he doesn't. <laughs> right. Not in the beginning. Not in the beginning, no. He eventually figures it out. He, Laurie needs to grow from a boy to become a man. Being an energetic individual, Mr. Lawrence struck while the iron was hot, and before the blighted being recovered spirit enough to rebel, they were off. During the time necessary for preparation, Laurie bore himself as a young gentleman usually do in such cases. He was moody, irritable, and pensive by turns, lost his appetite, neglected his dress, and devoted much time to playing tempestuously on his piano, avoided Joe, but consoled himself by staring at her from his window with the tragical face that haunted her dreams. I have another red flag here. Right, right. Yeah, he's, he's Edward from Twilight right now. <laughs> yeah. 
by night and oppressed her with a heavy sense of guilt by day. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, plus five, eleven. I have twelve red flags in this chapter. Yeah, that sounds about right. This is the thing is, Lori has has been this person the whole time. He didn't just suddenly become this stalker type guy. I mean, think about it. He admits like in the very beginning when he first first meets Joe that he's been watching her family through this window. He admits it. You leave the curtain up and I watch you, your family through your window. That's a little scary, <laughs> you know? I, I know he's very lonely and he doesn't know anyone when he moves there. But that's still kind of creepy because it's four girls in yes. the other house. with And with only their mother and their housekeeper. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a house full of women. Kind of give him a pass, right, to begin with because, oh, he's young and he's lonely. But at this point, he should be a man and he should know by this point that you should do not stare at women through their windows. How much of that has to do with that chapter where Laurie makes those letters to Meg. You know, you kind of get the feeling that he sees himself above Meg and then now he sees himself above Joe. Yeah. And it's really disturbing. But I think it also kind of goes with that whole idea that Joe and Laurie, they fed each other with ideas that were not very healthy. They both had quite misogynistic ideas about women at some point. I do feel like the 1994 film does do a, a good job of showing Lori kind of getting that superiority issue mm. with Meg because of when she's there at Sally Moffat's and he basically makes a comment about her showing her cleavage and makes a comment about her drinking champagne. I think that in one way you, you view the scene and you're like, oh, he's just reminding her of like what her family's values are. But on the other hand, it's like, just let Meg have some fun and get off your high horse, Lori. <laughs> Even though Meg is older than Laurie, maybe it's because of the privilege that he has. Probably. And his being being a male. Yeah, that too. <laughs> the part where Laurie sends those letters to Meg, it always bothers me because he not only thinks about how painful it's going to be for Meg, but then it's a really nasty thing to do for John because John is so poor. And Laurie knows that John likes Meg. Oh, this goes with their pranking and stuff. And this is his immaturity, though, right? He he doesn't take other people's hearts so seriously as he takes mm. his own. Like, my pain is more important than other people's pain. Yeah. In the 19th century, that was considered very romantic. And that's also interesting how mm. our views are so different now. No, I'm like, romantic to me is somebody who who respects me and who who values me. Like that's the biggest romantic thing possible. Who listens? Ooh, that's a big romantic mm. one. That was actually my, probably the first thing that attracted me to my husband was he's one of the first people I felt like really actually listened to me when I spoke. And, but again, that goes with respect, right? If you, if you respect someone, you're going to actually listen to them and not just yeah. listen to respond, but listen to know them. That's true. I, that, that, that's a, that's a more like a Friedrich type thing. I was reading some of these letters that Louisa got from her fans mm -hmm. where the little girls were like, we were so heartbroken when Joe said no to Laurie. 
And these were like nine, 10, 12 year old girls. I feel like they identify so much with Lori, but then they don't have these experiences of having these kind of well, unfortunate probably, situations with young men. It's probably also the whole like fairy tale build up, right? Mm-hmm. The prince is going to come in and, oh, he's so charming and he's so beautiful. And, oh, my family loves him and he loves my family and he just happens to be filthy rich. It's totally the fairy tale setup. It's not a fairy tale to go in, you know, most fairy tales don't happen with you fall in love with the, with the poor foreigner. That's the Mm -hmm. other thing is it's, oh, Lori is, seems more American, even though he's, he's half, he's half American anyway. I would be curious to see if girls nowadays are more receptive to the idea of Friedrich versus back in the day, because I think that we've done a better job like in a, in society is romanticizing like foreign men instead of it being like, oh, at least in America, being the all-American. I know a lot of women who would much rather find it romantic to fall in love with a man who had an accent. I think also because when the book came out, there was lots of hate against Germans. Oh, that's true. That's and true. then a lot of people were very poor. And now when people read little women young girls well i i don't think most of them are poor maybe middle class but back class then teacher. most a lot of the readers were poor and yeah. women they didn't have opportunities to work like yes. girls couldn't really dream about having a career they yeah. dreamt about getting married with a rich man so i think that's also why laurie was so oh, popular sure. Yeah, because it's like a dream to come true. It's this rich man is offering to marry you and now you won't have to worry about anything. And, oh, you've already been proposed to on top of that. So there's all of your worries are gone. Exactly what Lori's offering to Joe. But then a lot of the readers, of course, fail to understand Joe's character. Yeah. And some people still do fail to understand that. Oh, but look, again, we've kind of got the Twilight situation, right? Mm. Because in Twilight, Edward and his family have like endless amounts of money. And also, obviously, he could offer immortality on top of that, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) But there are these toxic elements, the stalker type of stuff, the possessiveness. That's interesting because I hadn't thought about the whole how these both of these ideas go ahead and fall into that fairy tale aspect of you find a prince who then can fix all your problems for you essentially and then Joe and Friedrich they are so normal they are not as dashy he's yeah. sweet but he's poor yeah he's he's stout he has a beard I love yeah. him <laughs> yeah he's not the dream man of most people most yeah. women He's Joe's dream man, apparently, because he's based on Henry David Thoreau <laughs> and Goethe and all these things that Louisa May Alba found attractive. But yeah. then she had a very unique taste and she was a very unique woman. So yeah. to me, Little Woman makes perfect sense with its marriages. Oh, one, yeah, 100%. Because she was attracted to intelligent mm. people. That was, I think, her biggest draw was the intelligence of a man. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.